Well, I'm so excited that you're here to join me for Voice of Breakthrough, this podcast. Podcast. So we are going to hit some powerful topics. Every single week, we will be having a new podcast with a new topic. So get ready. I'm telling you, this is great to exercise to. This is powerful to uh, listen to when you're cleaning your house or cooking that dinner or cutting the grass, which you could turn up loud on your, you know, your, your little iPhone or whatever you have there. Anyway, you're going to love this powerful, life-changing, every single week podcast of Voice of Breakthrough. So we started this series, the Lord gave me, it's really cool, the order of it, and it started last week and Matthew 22nd, and it was, was where, where we're at right now in time. God is inviting people to the marriage feast for his son. He, he set this up. It's one of the big things that's going to be one of the finales of what's happening on this earth before the reign of Christ. And as we saw, too many people were too busy. Too many people were too busy to make time to hang out with God. Too busy to say yes to the Father's invitation. And remember, if you're going to this feast, you have to have on the white clothing, which you can only get out of Isaiah 61, which has to do with the garments of salvation and the garments of righteousness. So you have to be right where God wants you to be, um, to be at that wedding supper of the lamb. So you can't be backslidden. You have to have oil. You can be a brand new believer in Jesus Christ, but you need to be on fire, hungry, seeking him, going after him with all your heart. So it's not based on how much you know. It's not based on how long you've walked with the Lord. It's only based on, do you have oil? Amen. And do you have those garments on? Are you saved, born again by his spirit? And are you right where God wants you to be? Amen. And so it's time for everybody to wake up through the shaking and realize he is sending out the invitations. Amen. And he's pretty much says he's going to send it to all the people who go to church all the time. And when they're just too busy or they're not interested or they're not trying to get oil, then he is now calling. He's going to have a move of evangelism that's going to hit the planet like we've never seen before. And we're going to go to the highways, the byways. We're going to go out of the church doors and we're going to begin to invite people to the wedding feast of the lamb of jesus christ amen so we're going to we're going to ask the lord to uh, use us in that and to prepare us to go and bring that invitation and then he says remember the one comes to the wedding but he's not prepared he's not in right standing with god he doesn't have oil he's not really saved and so we want to help people know that they're saved amen I think people get a religious spirit. Um, it's actually called a mocking spirit. And it mocks everything that a true believer would do and everything that God would have us do. The spirit mocks it. And when we take that in, either through being involved in cultish activities, being involved in some kind of wrong spirituality, you can take in a mocking spirit, which will counterfeit, perfectly counterfeit, what a true Christian would say, how a true Christian would see this. And, but it won't be real in your heart. It won't be real in your heart. And I say, if you feel like that could be happening with you, first of all, unless you're truly saved and born again by the spirit of God with the fruit of love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, long-suffering patience, with the real walk with the Holy Spirit where he convicts you of sin and you hate sin because he hates sin and he teaches you and he orders your steps, 
When you really have that going, praise God. When you don't have that going, it may not be that it may not be because you don't want that. It may be because you took on a mocking spirit that mocks the things of God. And every time you get ready to really do something in the things of God, the spirit takes over. And so there's no power in it because it's not the real you connected with the true God. Amen. So we want to help people get free from that. All right. But it says, every, for everyone is invited to enter, but few respond and say yes. Or few, many are called, few are chosen. That's what it says in most translations. So when you hear that scripture, that's what he's talking about. He's not talking about ministries. He's not talking about salvation. He's talking about many people are called to this wedding feast to have the oil, to be right with God, to, to be ready to come and celebrate this powerful gathering. I encourage you to go listen to it. If you didn't hear it already, it was really powerful. In my own heart, I just saw the Lord, you know, the Father just having us up there with this greatest party of all time, this greatest celebration, food like we've never even imagined. And here, here comes a bridegroom king, you know, in his wedding garments, just walk in and we're all just going to melt basically with the love in his eyes. We're just going to be so excited. I do not want to miss that celebration. Amen. So it's not worth backsliding. It's not worth sinning. It's not worth thinking, oh, well, he's, well, it's been a long time. And because he says, he'll come when you don't know. Amen. And it's not about being saved. It's about, it's about being at that event to glorify God. So now we're starting, what, what, does, what does Jesus preach then? He's preaching about the kingdom, right? That was the whole idea of what is the kingdom like? And that's what he's talking about. This is what it's like. This is what's going on. And then he goes on, and the he, and he, next thing he talks to is the Pharisees. After the Pharisees heard Jesus talk about this kingdom of heaven and talk about this feast and talk about not everyone was coming, Instead of getting hungry and saying, I want to come, I want to have on the right garments, they get angry about it, okay? And that's what a religious spirit does, a Pharisee spirit does, a spirit that wants to say, who does he think he is, or who do they think they are going into the deeper things of God, or of course these things aren't for the day. All those things are Pharisee spirit. So as God is sending out the invitation, as he's getting ready to send people to the highways and the byways to have a big outpouring, an end-time harvest like we've never seen before, that's not going to include a lot of church folks. Amen? He then begins to rebuke the Pharisees. But the Pharisees, first of all, they, they come together to make a plan to entrap Jesus with his own words. Okay? Let me look at this in other translations because this is powerful. This is one of the things I wanted us to deal with tonight. Um, the Pharisees went and conspired together, plotting how to trap Jesus by distorting what he said. Let me read it in the literal. Then going, the Pharisees took counsel so as how they might trap him with his own words. All right. This jumped off of the page at me because of something the Lord was showing me about um, entanglements and dysfunctional relationships and deception that people are blind to. So I really want you to listen to this 
you really need to listen to this. And those watching from home, you really need to listen to this. This could actually answer why some of you do not have good relationships where there should be good relationships. Whether it's with your parents, whether it's with your spouse, whether it's with your children, whether it's with friends. You just, it just, there's always drama. There's always control issues. There's always trying to haha, catch somebody. So the, that's a Pharisee spirit. It's a fear, spirit that feels inferior and it's going to trap you. And you don't know sometimes you operate in this, okay? Can I tell people you don't know you operate in this? The, most of the people who come here do not. You would not be here on a Tuesday night if you want to hang out. Amen? Right? So this is open. The places where you're blind, he wants to answer this. The, he gave me this timing. This is going along with some things I know people are dealing with. So how do you know if you use your words to try to entrap somebody in what they say? Another scripture, it says, um, love keeps no records of wrongs. This isn't only trying to keep a record of wrong. This is trying to get you to say something. It's trying, what is the devil doing? He's trying to, uh, trigger a response from you so he can say ha ha well jesus had nothing in him that could be triggered amen so when when this happens with him he's able to walk in wisdom and i was in a situation recently where the lord was just revealing this about someone and trying to help him and i it was like so much unbelievable uh pressure to try to argue or try to to lash out and and, and just some of the thoughts going through my head, I had to take before the Lord, like, I can't believe this person would dishonor me like this. Don't they know what I've done and all this kind of stuff? And the Lord goes, who are you to think highly of yourself like that? The Lord says, you've not done anything to help anyone unless it's been me doing it through you. Amen. And so the Lord's saying, you don't ask, you don't make people honor you. You, you, you just get that out of your heart. If they don't want to honor you, that's between them and me. Amen. Even though the Lord says, give double honor to those who teach you his word. Amen. That's double honor. Look, that sounds like more honor than just single honor. Amen. And, and the, so I'm sitting there and the Lord's dealing with me. He goes, you never, ever decide that somebody needs to honor you. You never decide. You don't judge. You just let it go. Amen. So I'm telling you this. So when you find yourself in any situation where something's trying to be stirred up in you, amen, who do you look at? No, you. Okay, you examine you. I mean, you could ask Jesus to look at you, but it's like, why is this bothering me? Why is this bothering me? And when someone's trying to entrap you with your own words, well, you said this. I know you said this. Well, I remember when you said this. And did you see how you said that? People, that's a devil speaking through you. Okay, it's a devil speaking through you, and it hurts the people it's speaking to. It's like this thing that wants to say, see, I got you. That's what this Pharisee spirit's doing. Now, remember, a Pharisee spirit is very legalistic. Now, it can also operate outside of biblical. If it's a biblical Pharisee spirit, it's going to use the Bible and try to use the Bible to entrap you and tell you how bad you are and how wrong you are and this is how we should do it and if we're doing it God's way. But if it's even before uh, you find the Lord, you can have a control spirit. And it's the same thing where you use your intellect and what you've read and what you know to say, see, did you say, I know what you said. 
If you have a memory that can repeat back everything someone says, you need to go before the Lord and repent of letting the enemy use that memory. Amen? First of all, God looks at the intentions of the heart. So I have people who try to entrap me sometimes, and they'll say, well, you said this. Well, I know that was never in my heart. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that particular thing was never in my heart. Therefore, you can twist what I say. You could try to set up something for me to say what the devil in you wants me to say. It doesn't mean the person is trying to get you to say that if they're blind to it. Amen. It means a spirit in them is trying to get you to say that to hurt you and to hurt them and to hurt the relationship. Amen. We got to quit thinking these things are intentional. Because I know I don't intentionally do that. Well, I hope not. Hopefully everyone in here has walked with God long enough to not intentionally do that. Amen? But there are people who, have, who intentionally do that kind of thing. Amen? But what I'm trying to help people to see is where you could be blind to this, and it could be a reason you keep finding yourself in dysfunctional relationships. So every time you say something and get into a real conversation especially if there's certain people that, that you've determined um, the spirit of the enemy is trying to destroy the relationship. Can I say that? Whenever the enemy is involved in your personality with relationships, codependency, entanglements, his, his desire is to destroy both people involved. Amen? No matter how much you think you're doing it right, you have to stop and look at the fruit. Is the love growing in this relationship? Is the joy in this relationship? Is there peace in this relationship? Am I having the grace of God to go through long suffering without being angry and, and blaming the other person? Love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness. Am I being kind in this relationship? Is the goodness of God showing in my life? Love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, long suffering, patience. Have I got patience? You know, where's the mercy? Where's the faith? Where's the, if those things aren't operating, Amen? Then you got something else operating as, as a born-again believer. Can I get an amen? And we need to get to the place where we don't want anything operating except the Holy Spirit and our spirit that's being changed into his likeness. Amen? We have to recognize these other things. You may have had it your whole life. You may have a generational curse and your mom had it and even your dad and your grandma and everybody you know has it. You, you can watch television that's everywhere, right? But we're believers. We have the fruit of, in, in my relationships, my, the fruit of the Spirit should be in every relationship you're involved with. If it's not, okay, everybody get this. If it's not, you have a wrong spirit operating towards that situation or that person or that relationship. You could actually have spirits that only operate in certain situations, especially if it's trying to make you... Um, not be a good father or not be a good mother or not be a wife that, that loves their husband or a husband that loves their wife or, or a good minister. Do you understand what I'm saying? Satan can target what he's trying to destroy. So you may not even come off with that around other people. Can I get an amen? Y'all ain't amen to me tonight. Y'all ain't being quiet. Amen. <laughs> All right, so that's one way to look at it. Stop for a minute and think of the relationship right now. If you have a spouse, think of the relationship with your spouse. Is there a fruit? Don't, don't judge them. We're talking about you. Right away, the devil's, no. 
We're not talking about, it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit in me we're talking about. It's not the fruit of the Holy Spirit in the other person that I chose to be with. Amen. And God will give me grace to be with and God will change me in that relationship to be more like Christ. Can I say that again? If God has you in a relationship or you chose to be in a relationship and he didn't even have anything to do with it, God still has the intention of using that relationship to make you more like Christ. Say more like Christ. And then you have, you can actually take the time to say, is that what it's like with me and this child? Is that what it's like with me and this child? Is that what it's like with me and this daughter-in-law? Is that what it's like with me and my husband? Is that what it's like with me if you're a guy, your wife? Is that what it's like with me and my mom, with me and my dad, with me and my stepmom, with me? Do you see what I'm saying? What's operating in those relationships? Now, if the enemy really targets to hurt you really bad and hurt people really bad that you had all good intentions towards, right? Then, then this thing's going to show up. So let's say you get married with all good intentions to be a godly wife, all good intentions to just absolutely, you know, you know, almost have a vision, uh, and you're supposed to have vision of, of this godly marriage and this, okay? And the enemy's going to do everything he can that he owns in you and that he owns in them to try to destroy a godly vision about that relationship. Amen? So that's what the devil does. It's not what the Holy Spirit does. Amen? Can I get an amen? And you, you got to let go of being right. There's a lot of people who were right about something in a relationship who go to hell. Amen. I used to think before I was really walking with the Lord that if I won an argument with my husband, which was pretty easy to do because he didn't argue back, that I won. I didn't win. I just hurt the marriage. I didn't glorify God. I wasn't walking in love, joy, peace, the fruit of the Spirit wasn't growing in my life. But once God really got a hold of me and I began to do it God's way, as much as your flesh hates that at first, as much as the enemy who's used your mouth and used your brain and used your way you handle things probably most of your life is still wanting to have power, can I get an amen? We now have God in us as born-again believers to stop the enemy from using us to hurt people, even if what we're saying is right. And here's these Pharisees. They're not right, but they're upset. And they're going to twist what the, the Lord says. They're going to do their best to twist what he says so they can say, aha. And the enemy's going to, poke and poke at you and poke at you to try to get you to respond in a way for that devil in the person who's poking at you to say, see, I knew it. Okay, so when you got to see, I knew it, you got a devil in you that just provoked an argument. Amen? Amen. You've got the devil in you that just provoked an argument. If, if, if you're like, see, I knew it. I knew it. I knew you'd never do that right. I knew you'd mess that up. It doesn't matter what you do right. When that devil is out to try to destroy that relationship, he's going to have you 
twist that person's actions, twist that person's word, everything you can for that enemy in you to walk in anything but love, anything but joy, anything but peace, anything but goodness, anything but patience, anything but kindness, anything but long-suffering. Amen? And it's time to wake up and say, you know what? That wasn't love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, long-suffering. This is just one of the things we're going to be going over on Tuesday nights in the summer of things that are deceptive, that destroy relationships, amen, that set us up to be deceived in these end days, to become part of the cold-hearted, amen? We don't want our hearts to be cold. It's actually a sign of the end times that the love in many will grow cold because of lawlessness. Well, I think some of you have already got cold hearts in certain situations with certain people Because you got this spirit in you. It's horrible. If you can actually walk away from the Lord one day because of lawlessness in other people and let your heart grow cold. Then there's some real issues in your heart. And you need to lay out before the Lord and say, Lord, Set me free from being able to be cold-hearted. What's cold-hearted? Just no compassion. You're, you're more concerned about being right. And maybe you're not even right. Maybe you're just twisting what you think is right. When you're blind with this thing, it's always argumentative. It's always a control issue. It's always twisting things. I'm just going to say this. You do not have, as an individual, you do not become one with anyone but the Lord spiritually, amen? And he sees you as one flesh. In other words, he sees you, you and a husband only, wife and husband, husband and wife only. And he does that because of what it represents. I'm not going to get into all that tonight. But it doesn't mean you're alike. It doesn't mean you're... Newlyweds don't yell too loud right now. <laughs> it doesn't mean you're alike. Okay, if you're good friends with someone, it doesn't mean you ha you're alike. Does everybody understand? It's a, com it's, a, it's a lie in your thinking of entanglement that somebody has to want to do what you want to do and be just like you to be friends. You can be friends with somebody who absolutely doesn't like any of the hobbies you like. Amen. Amen. The only thing that God requires to really be a friend is they should be a believer in the Lord. Otherwise, you're just a light in darkness. They're really not your friend. And if you actually think you're friends with someone who's not a believer, something's wrong with your relationships. If you're ever seriously in a relationship with a non-believer, all the Holy Spirit is after is getting that person saved. I don't mean with, you know, which not recognize. He, he will have you have a real relationship with that person. He will have you see how, how awesome they are in him. And I, I went to lunch with a 
friend recently that God is, just has me hanging out with, and I really enjoy hanging out with her because it's real. I'm not picking somebody to hang out with that I don't even like. Amen? He actually puts relationships together. Let me say this. If you think people can only have one relationship of a friendship at a time, you have a real issue with codependency. You are really deceived. At every relation, just like with your children, every child is different. But you should love them all with the love of God. You should love them all. You shouldn't love the one who's easy to get along with and you think just like you, and then the one who really gives you more prayer time than any other child. You shouldn't love them less because you can't control them. Amen? The fruit of this Pharisee or this religious or this self-righteous or this rule-following spirit in relationships, I'm just going to tell you what I've seen. I've seen where if, uh, let's say, a young boy or a young girl, a child, is controlled, I mean, to where they're scared to do anything. They can't do anything right. They can't go anywhere. They can't be trusted. And you don't understand. There's two responses to that. Well, three, thank God. If they know God themselves and if they know how to forgive and if they know how to separate that kind of demonic control from Holy Spirit, maybe they'll come out okay. But the normal response is that we'll go into homosexuality. They have to find a woman who's strong, who will tell them what to do and when to do it and how to do it because that's how they've been trained. That's how they've been conditioned. And you think, wow, I'm doing such a good job. I keep them out of trouble. I keep them out of this and I do this. No, you are setting them up for a demonic, demonic relationship in the future. That's one response. The second response is defiance, which is basically screw you. I'm going to do what I want. And you're setting them up to be promiscuous. You're setting them up to run off with any guy that comes along. You're setting them up to go ahead. And so what if you can control them till they're 21, even 22? You're not called to control people. You're called to train up people, to train up your children in the way they should go so they don't depart from it. And you cannot do that with the Pharisee spirit. You cannot do that. You cannot minister with the Pharisee spirit. You cannot try to twist people's words or catch them on what they're saying when you don't like what they're doing. Amen? Um, um, but we also have to know, how do I handle that? And we're going to see how Jesus handles it, okay? Doesn't that sound fun? Okay. So the Pharisees came together to make a plan to entrap Jesus with his own words. Can you turn the cameras off? And can you turn off your cell phones recording everybody, especially if they have control issues? See, I caught you. So what? You don't change anybody's heart by catching them. You've got to have Holy Spirit change your heart so you can help them. Are you, so what if you keep... I don't want to be in a relationship with someone I can't trust in the sense of a husband relationship. I trained up my children in the way of the Lord so I could trust them. Did they always do everything great? No. I don't need you to tell me that I saw this and that. That's okay. That's between them and God. But they know the word of God, and I have a great relationship. I have a great adult relationship with my adult children, 
even though I missed it in some areas, being a little too religious, to be quite honest. But I've apologized. I've asked them to forgive me. But they've also seen the change. Amen? They've seen that I've really changed. Amen? And it ministers to them. We need to humble ourselves. They need to see that we've really changed. We need to be able to say, this, that wasn't the right spirit. The Bible says, I'll know us by our love for one another. We, the church is so messed up, you can't hardly see that in families. You see entrapments, entanglements. You're scared of your own children. You're trying to control them. They run off and do all this stuff. You cannot control. It's not your job. A Pharisee spirit is all about control and all about how it makes them look. Both, I'm talking in ministry, I'm talking in the believer's lives, I'm talking even outside of believers. I look good if I make you look good. How about if you just love? And if they don't look good, you ask the Lord to help you see any place in that that you missed it and anywhere you can help them. And how about beginning to do what he shows you to do? So here's Jesus. So they sent some of their disciples together with some supporters of Herod. And they said to Jesus, teacher, we know that you're an honest man of integrity and you teach us the truth of God's ways. We can clearly see that you're not one who speaks only to win the people's favor because you speak the truth without regard to the consequences. Okay, what are they doing? They're actually saying something true, right? They're saying something, but with them, they're flattering him. They're also setting him up. What are they saying? You're going to say it like it is. You're going to speak right from your own mouth what you really think. And we're gonna, and basically, and we're going to catch you saying something that goes against, basically, in this case, the king. So they're already like setting it up. See, that's what the enemy does in you or in us and anyone who has this. They're, they're setting it up, always looking, always setting it up, always waiting to trap you. People repent of that. Get it out of your heart. Some people get so excited that they entrap somebody and then they can go tell them, tell everybody else, look, I, I saw this. Some people have no idea they're doing this. They have no idea how much this pushes other people away from them. Look at your relationships. Look at your past relationships. Look, instead of blaming and pointing at the person who actually has good relationships, really good relationships, why don't you look at yourself where you don't have good relationships? Some, some people have had horrible relationships, abusive relationships, totally demonic relationships. But when God is trying to get this, this twisting of words, this trying to twist things, this Pharisee control thing out of people's hearts, amen? The enemy is going to bring everything to the surface to make you want to point at everybody else. I have absolutely no problem humbling myself before all of you and anyone else and whoever else thousands ever listen and tell you what God showed me about me. I have absolutely no trouble living this out in front of everybody for years. And God has me do that so that I have been given authority by him to help people see what they don't want to see. And I thank God that he would call me to do that. Amen. It's easy to find people who won't tell you so that you can keep it. And let me say this, if you want to keep it, keep it. But if you're hurting children with it, it's really sad. If you're destroying a marriage or a people who love God with it, it's really sad. I'll teach them how to not be hurt by you or how to forgive you and walk above it. Amen? And thank God for that. But wouldn't it be nice to have the relationships where they know us by our love for one another? 
This Pharisee, Pharisees can't love. Pharisees cannot love. Everything is about control. Everything is about do this, do that, do right. I'm not saying, I, for, I know for a fact that the people in this church and the people that we've ministered to that we know do not do this on purpose. Amen? This isn't an intentional conspiring and plotting as these Pharisees we're talking about here were doing. But this is about God is going to be dealing with that heart that wants to control people. When God pours his apostolic outpouring and we begin to see things like Ananias and Sapphira dropping dead in churches, when we begin to see um, the boldness of, of Paul when he goes to minister and says, who are you? You know, I'm as, I'm as gifted as anyone else. If anyone's a father to you, I am. Do you know what I'm saying? And when you have God having all these things that he's saying and doing, right? Then, then how can we... We have to have our hearts right. We don't want a Pharisee. Truthfully, I don't want to be a Pharisee, and I want God to get every bit of this out of my heart. When I read this, and for years when I've been reading this, I was like, get this out of my heart. When, when I'm being attacked from anything, whether the person intends it or not, I'm not, really, Lord, show me me. What's going on? This thing's very confusing. If somebody has this stuff really strong, like the Pharisees, or they've operated it in a long time, or God's bringing it to the surface because you've kept it quiet for a long time, then can I just tell everybody, get ready. We are at the place where he's going to bring everything to the surface. It's called shaking. And you're not going to be exempt from it. You can go try to hide away from everybody. You can just go do your own thing, whatever you want. It doesn't matter. He's going to shake you anyway. If you say he's your God and he's your Lord, he's not going to stop till he shakes this thing out of you. And you can go from church to church and place to place and ministry and try to say and do whatever you want. That's between you and God. Amen. He's not going to give up on you. He's not going to give up on you. There are people I'm still in contact with a little bit who try to destroy this church. I'm not going to give up on them. You might give up on them. That's between you and God. Amen? I got a love that's unconditional, people. I seriously walk in an unconditional love. And I try to hang on to that and not let my heart grow cold against the politicians and the people trying to destroy our nation. Amen? I try to not be hard-hearted there. And I've got to spend time with God to do that. I've got to separate them from the spirit. I've got to recognize in my own heart any Pharisee thing. Amen? We are in a day and age, according to God himself, where hearts are going to grow hard. Christian hearts, cold, because of the evil we're going to see around us and the lawlessness. We can't let that happen to us. Don't let your heart grow cold. Don't be a person who puts a wall there. And if that's your way of handling life, then get that devil out. Amen? Let me tell you, when you quit using something and you hate it and you see how damaging it is, it has to leave. As long as you keep blaming the other person for your lack of love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, long-suffering, and patience, you're not getting anywhere. Can you say Amen. That doesn't mean you can't, you don't have, you don't have to try to be perfected. If you don't want to be the bride, stay your old ugly self. That's between you and God. Amen. I'm called to, I'm called to get the bride ready. And then people can come here and they can be so unserious about the things of God. And I'm just saying who is and who isn't. It's none of my business to be quite honest. He knows. I think it'd be awesome if the church, if we are in that day when he calls the bride, wouldn't it be cool if it's a Sunday morning and we all go? 
That's my, that's my heart. My heart isn't like, well, you get to stay. No, my, my, I'm, I've got to give account for your soul. You can take it lightly when the devil tries to stir you up, however he wants to stir you up. But I don't take it lightly. I got to stand before God and give an account for the souls of every person he brings in here that, I'm, that are supposed to be here. Even the ones who leave prematurely, I still have to give an account. I'll probably be up there a long time. Good thing we're a small church. <laughs> Amen. You don't have to give an account. I have to give an account. Does anybody know enough to know that I have a reverent fear of the Lord and I take all these things extremely seriously? I do. I hope it gives me a good memory so I can remember all these accounts I got to give. Amen. Holy Spirit will know. It'll already be written down. I'm believing everything will be under the blood. When I have to give an account, it's going to be, here's what's written. This is what she said. She's already told them. This is how she tried. And my prayer is that I'll be able to say, Lord, I did everything I knew to do. I preached. I sought your face. I prayed. I, I apologized wherever was real. Don't do fake apologies. Don't, don't do apologies like, well, I'm really sorry if I hurt you. No, you explain why you hurt me. Do you know what I'm saying? That's not an apology. That's just like a roundabout way to twist words again. No, it is. You, well, I'm really sorry if I hurt you. What are you doing about it? How did you hurt me? Or when they say, if I hurt you. Well, if you don't even know if you hurt me, then obviously you haven't spent time with the Lord to have any idea of what's even going on here. Can I get an amen? And then it's just words. It's just Pharisee twisted words. It doesn't mean people, that's how some people just communicate. Amen. I can tell you how I've hurt you if I've hurt you. I'll get convicted by the Holy Spirit. He'll show me in the scriptures. He'll deal with my heart issues and I'll make it right with you. Amen. And, and the Bible says, I, imitate me as, as I follow Christ, which means that should be something you see in your own life. And it's really humbling when you have to actually see what you did that hurt your child. When you have to actually see what you did that hurt your spouse. And you have to see what you did that hurt your pastor. When you have to see what you did that hurt um, uh, your, the friend, teach whoever. Amen? You know, everyone, and Christians don't seem to be a lot better at it, are so fast at just saying, forget it and move on. And we leave all these hurt, offended people everywhere because we will not be biblical. You're not going to have oil. God's going to make you go back and deal with stuff, people. We are The shaking, that's what it is. The shaking is you're going to go back and deal with stuff. And if you're blind to it, then ask people what they think it is and then listen to them. And then do something about it. Amen? We want to be free from this Pharisee spirit. You, I want you to hate it before tonight's over that you won't even leave and let it operate out of your mouth one more moment, that you won't think it helped anything. Holy Spirit's wisdom is real wisdom. 
His mercy is powerful. He knows exactly when to release mercy. He knows exactly when to teach a lesson that's going to really change a person without destroying them. He knows he, if you can't really hug somebody and love somebody that you're supposed to be close to, then you need to really ask God to help you. You need to ask God to get the hardness down, get rid of the seer conscience, whatever it is. Amen? All right. So here we see them saying the right words. They're experts at saying the right words. The whole time. Now they knew they were setting a trap. I don't think, like I said, I believe most people are blind to this. Some aren't. And then they need to totally repent and run up to the altar and cry out for mercy. Amen. Some people live in manipulation. I told you my stories I did in the past. Amen. And, and, it, and then it goes from intentional to not even knowing it, but never renouncing that spirit, never telling it it has to go. It has to bow its knee in Jesus' name. Amen. It doesn't. Okay, two people can do the exact same thing. Two parents, two parents can parent the exact same way. But if you're operating in the Pharisee spirit or the wrong spirit, you are damaging that relationship in that child where the other person, that's why reading these books, these self-help books and these psychiatry books and all this, it, none of that matters if it's not coming from the Holy Spirit. You can mimic something just like we talked about the mocking spirit. Mimicking something is not the same as operating in the right spirit. Amen. When you operate in the right spirit, there's healing that's released. There's encouragement that's released. There's love that's released. There's the, the critical thing isn't the, the critical thing. The Pharisees were very critical. Amen. Very judgmental, very controlling, very, they, they were getting a need met to be right. They were getting a need met to stay in charge. I don't want to be in charge. I want God in charge. I seriously want Holy Spirit in charge of my relationship with my husband. I totally want Holy Spirit in charge of my relationship with all my family, with the people who are on staff here, with the people who go here. Amen. And we're all in process. Amen. That's why we have to forgive each other. That's why we have people. If we don't jump into this understanding, we're the human race. And, and people do a lot of messed up stuff because of the enemy and because of the flesh working together. Amen. And if we don't begin to have compassion, you're, you're not going to be in that wedding dress on that day at that feast. Amen. We have to lay this stuff down. We have to. He's not saying this is a suggestion, especially when it comes to hypocrite and a Pharisee spirit. There's a special place in hell for hypocrites. And he calls the Pharisees a hypocrite. And when I looked up that word, it's a pretender. It's someone who pretends that they love you. They pretend that this is really about you and not them. They pretend that this, what they're doing is to help you. Okay, that's a hypocrite. If you already have a motive, like these guys had a motive, right? Their motive was to entrap Jesus with his own words so that they could arrest them, have people quit following them, all that kind of stuff, right? Right? There was a motive. The motive was, aha, 
I want people to know I was right and you were wrong. Aha, I don't want you to get to do that. I don't want you to get to do this. I want to be in charge. Amen? Can I just say, you got to go re-listen to the teaching on power struggle. When you're in a power struggle, there's something wrong. Because in a power struggle, somebody has to win and somebody has to lose. In Christ, no one should ever lose. Everyone should be built up in their most holy faith. Everyone should receive what they need from the Holy Spirit. Everyone should be humbled, not prideful. Pharisees were very prideful. One, one real sign of a Pharisee spirit is if you want someone to do something wrong or you want to say, see, see, I knew they couldn't do it. See, I knew they, they were going to mess up their relationship. See, I knew they would never change. When you got the I see thing, it's very much a Pharisee spirit. Amen. You're actually looking for them to fail. You're actually wanting them to fail so you can be right. Isn't that pitiful? I'm sorry, that's pitiful. We need to hate what God hates. Thank God he's not looking for me to fail. He actually died and paid for my sin because he already knew at points in my life I would fail. He went ahead of us and paid the punishment because he knew we would probably fail. All sin. Can you get over yourself? All sin. And fall short of the glory of God. He's merciful. You're going to reap what you sow. You better start sowing more mercy. Amen? Now, mercy is not enabling. The Bible's clear. If you do not discipline your children, you hate them. That's what he says. Because he knows if a child is running the show and they're not disciplined with godly discipline, you're helping them be defiant and go to hell and be angry and take on demonic activity and participate in any garbage they want and think it's okay. And they're deceived in thinking it's okay with God. I didn't mean for this to be a parenting lesson, but maybe we all need some relationship healing. Amen? Amen? Aren't you glad he's merciful? Aren't you glad you can actually see this, hate it, repent, and watch him start healing relationships that you were part of messing up? Amen? Has anybody experienced that? Have, I know some of you, you're actually seeing really good relationships. I'm not talking about codependent. I'm not talking about they're still living like the devil and living in your house. That's not helping them. He sent the prodigal out and trusted God to bring him back when he changed, not when he needed food, not when he needed a roof over his head, when he changed, when she changes. We need to pray, God, help us. Help us to do this thing right. If you've got young children, Thank God, now you can, Lord, help me to do this thing right. Quit being angry at kids because of demonic activity in our world and around them and the things they've been through and start rising up in Christ and getting wisdom to see how to stop it. Can we start getting a little excited about taking down Goliath instead of whining and murmuring and moaning about our problems and this relationship and this child and this and that, don't you get it? You basically tell God, go away. I'm going to have my pity party here. 
and I'm going to get other people who come in agreement with my pity party. Don't talk to anybody who's in agreement with your pity party. Amen? Just don't talk to anybody. If they're in agreement with your pity party, if they're judging people, just don't talk to them. Or stand up and say the truth in love. Amen? That's what real believers do who love God. You use wisdom. I can be right and have a Pharisee spirit. I know the scriptures pretty well. I could sock it to everybody. Thank God he worked in my heart, so I'm not like that. I don't want to be like that. Amen? You've got to hate it, people. You've got to hate it. I think I've, been, I've seen so much church abuse in other churches, and it's helped me to hate it. But being on this side and being a leader in the church and all the different stuff you deal with, I also have compassion and mercy for how difficult it is and how you've got to die to self and hear God. Well, can I say this? If you're a parent, if you're a parent, if you're a single parent, if you're a foster parent, if you're a parent who adopted a child, everything with it has different, if your kid was abused even by their own parents, can you understand can you understand how messed up things are? Amen? And can we not be Pharisees about it and begin to seek God for wisdom and quit being okay with not hearing God? Quit being okay with having the enemy block you with a Pharisee spirit or a mocking spirit or something that's not real that keeps you from getting the wisdom from God. Amen? Amen? It's not cute. It's not funny. I want to hear God for real and there be fruitfulness of it. Amen? I'm okay with taking my hurt stuff before the Lord and saying, Lord, help me with this. One of the most difficult things, honestly, in the Isaiah 61 is open the eyes of the blind. I believe we're going to see powerful, creative miracles when we finally begin to open the eyes of the church blindness to things. That's why I preach so passionately when it comes to some of these things. I'm trying to open some of your eyes to where you don't see right. Why don't you call me in person? Well, sometimes I found out talking to people in person, th that feeds that thing. Because they're trying, they're, they're dysfunctions. They want, they, want, they want special attention from me. And I'm not judging that. You know, I'm not giving that. <laughs> Amen. I'm being led by Holy Spirit. God's not a respecter of persons. We need to not be respecter of persons. Amen? I don't believe in being loyal to anyone but God. Why? Because then I'm going to be loyal to everybody. Amen? I'm not going to get bogged up in the stuff the world calls entanglements and soap opera living and, and drama. I don't personally agree with the people who say, well, then don't hang out with people like that. What if God wants you hanging out with people like that to help them? Amen. My gosh, if the whole church runs and hides every time somebody doesn't fit their idea of, of uh, being a good this or a good that, well, good, go join your good club and let some of us roll up our sleeves and do the real work of the Holy Spirit leading us. Amen. Amen. Nobody wants the bondage. It's not for us to judge why or how or nobody has the same gift package. Nobody has. We just, we can really wake up and see, is this relationship reflecting the fruit of the spirit? Amen? You cannot replace money and provision for love. Now, out of love, I want to provide. 
Amen. Out of love, I want my kids to have a lot. Out of love, I want to help people financially. But I can't use that or use what I'm doing. Oh, I'm going to go do this for you. Or I'm going to do this for this. Or I'm going to be the best at this. And I'm going to do this. Okay, you can't do that. You can't exchange works or money or, or activities for love. You need to ask God to heal you so you can love. You need to ask God to get rid of whatever demonic spirit, whether it's a Pharisee spirit, whether it's just a really strong control spirit of of Jane. The thing that got me with this is um, the entrapping Jesus with his own words. Now, they purposely did it, but I think a spirit operates in people subtly, and they may not know they're doing that. And so, so they try to set things up in a way to manipulate and really buy into, well, I did everything right in this relationship, or I, I, I do everything right to be a good mother. I do the, I'm, I'm the best friend anyone could have. Or I d- Forget all that. Are you led by the Holy Spirit? And you might be doing it to get something out of it. Hmm. It's not unconditional. It's manipulation. If you ever have come in agreement with the enemy, not even knowing that, that this is what you're going to get out of this. Amen? God's not asking us to use people to get what we want. And we got to get our minds straight. Did I set all this up? Did I go through this because Holy Spirit has me doing this? Did I get into this relationship? Did I choose? Was I led of God to adopt? Did he open this door? Was I led of God to take and foster children? Did he open this door? Was I led of God to be in this marriage? Was I led of God? What is going on? We've got to stop all the divorce in the, the church. We've got to stop all this dysfunction with our children. Our children should be the most secure, happiest, well-adjusted, living in the fruit of the Spirit, especially in this church, because you get good teaching. Y'all can say what you want. You get good teaching in this church because you get the word of God and you get the conviction of the Holy Spirit and he is opening your eyes where you're blind. Amen? And everybody's getting freer and freer for the most part. Amen? You just got to decide. You've got to quit looking. Who's going to take care of me? Who's going to help me? How can I make this person be my friend? How can I get this person to do that? That's, an, that's a manipulation. That's a motive. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Either yes, you're going to do this because God has you doing this, or no, you're not. Deal with the stuff that constantly wants to cause all the drama. If you've got drama in any relationship, there's an entanglement there. It takes two to drama. It really only takes one, but it's going to get gold really fast when the other person does what Jesus did right here. So here's, they're trying, they're trying. So they say, Matthew 22, 70, so tell us then, what do you think? They don't really care what he thinks. If somebody asks me, what do you want? Then I should tell them what I want if I want to. And then if you get upset because I don't want what you want, you have the problem. You really have a problem. Why would you ask somebody and you don't want to hear what they really want to say? Okay, let that one sink in. If you ask somebody a question, but you really don't want to hear their answer and something flares up the minute they answer, you have a spiritual problem. Can I get an amen? There's something going on in you of manipulation. Handle it. 
It's witchcraft. People can feel it. People know what is going on. Okay? So if somebody asks you a question, you have the right to answer it with what you really think. And they need to be quiet and listen to it and think about it, not already try to tear you apart and already have a crazy response because you're not answering it the way they want. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you already know my child has to say this and my child has to do this, then you are, you're manipulating. Can I get an amen? Listen to them. If they're afraid to talk to you because you're going to react like a nut, if you're in a relationship and you can't say what needs to be said without a crazy bunch of accusations and, and all this kind of drama, can I just say something's wrong? Jesus listened to the whole crowd scream, crucify him, crucify him, and says, forgive them. They don't know what they're saying. My gosh, some of you can't even have a relationship and talk to someone and then try to tell you something that you don't want to hear without you shutting them down, turning, calling people, telling them off, you know, whatever, acting nutty. Can I just say, when you act nutty, you got the problem. Can I get an Amen. It doesn't mean that you can't be forgiven. It doesn't mean you can't get free. It means you got a problem. And when something you want to act nutty, you got the problem. You can both have the problem. Amen. Amen? But then ask God, what is this? What's going on? But I'm going to tell you, this entrapment in witchcraft can get so strong that it can actually, especially if it's been a long played out thing and you haven't really gotten free, where it really can almost... It really tries to release witchcraft and confusion. It really, it's really hard to be around. It's actually almost impossible to be around without grace. Amen? I want you to see that. You don't want to have your relationships where the other person cannot stand to be around you. And the answer isn't just take off. Sometimes God will put you in a relationship where you can't just take off. And too many people just take off and float around out there and who knows. Amen? If we can't face this stuff in church, a church like this, led by the Holy Spirit, in the Word of God, humbly asking the Lord to help us, amen? Then where can you do it? You need to learn to do it. You need to learn to be able to say, if you already know what they're going to say, then you fall into a trap of the enemy. I remember John and I used to argue. Can you believe it? Well, let's say I argued. I would argue. And there would be triggers. And so we always have this. This is years ago. We'd always have this conversation about money or something, how I spent money or something. And. It always had to blow up with the same exact phrase. So one time I was asking the Lord, help me, Lord, change my heart. Show me what's going on. Help me get out of the cycle. So the Lord told me something totally different to say than I've ever said in, in this argument we had on a regular basis about money. This is way back when we were early married. <laughs> and so I said something totally different, totally different, like I agreed with him or something. And he went off just as if I hadn't said a word. And then he's like, whoa, whoa. And that broke it. That broke that pattern of fighting over something that we had already decided. This is how it is. It'll never change. I'm right. They're wrong. And then there's a wall there. And then God will give you wisdom how to bust that thing. 
and that we need to be mature enough to recognize when he's doing that. And wouldn't it be nice if we didn't have to play those games with other believers? Amen? Okay, number one, quit trying to change them. Let God change you. Quit trying to change them. Let God change you. This isn't an aha, so you say, aha, they're talking about my husband. Aha, they're talking about my mom. They're talking about my dad. They're talking. No, I'm talking to everybody in this room and everybody watching, everybody who's going to see this. Look at your heart. How are you choosing to handle things? Are you choosing the way God wants you to or the way the devil wants you to? Because if you're choosing the way the devil wants you to, no matter what, you're losing. You can choose the way the devil wants you to and be so submissive and get so dependent and think you can't do anything on your own, lose all your self-confidence, think every, and, and get into a horrifically abusive situation down the road. Or you can go the other way. You can decide you're going to be defiant and you don't care what they say anymore and they don't have anything to say to you and you're not going to respect them, you're not going to honor them, you're not going to care. And hit off right down another terrible road. Amen? Amen? Just because you can make somebody submit to you, if their heart isn't submitted to the Spirit on you because it's the Holy Spirit, you've done nothing. You could see people years later, I don't know why my kids don't have anything to do with me. I bet I could spend 10 minutes with you and tell you why. I won't say bet. That's not right. There's a good possibility that I could discern within one or two uh, maybe hours of conversation. If the Lord gives me grace of what's wrong. Amen. And when we have to open the eyes of the blind, it's time to hear that. Because every defense the devil's put in you doesn't want to hear that. That's called being blind. And truthfully, it's not that hard to get free. Just listen. Quit blaming someone else. Look at what you're doing. You've got to tear it apart. What, what are my expectations? Well, can I tell you something? Have expectations for that person to fall in love with Jesus. As your number one expectation for your spouse, for your child, for your friends, for the people who come to this ministry, how about have an expectation or a hope that they fall in love with Jesus? How about everything you do is to help them do that? Amen? Not in some wishy-washy, codependent way. See, I have to speak on both sides. I got people, I got the control people that God wants to set free here and also watching and listening. And then we got the, I do all that, I try to love. It's not love when you don't discipline if they're a child. Recognize it's not love. Deal with it. Deal with it. Deal with it. Tell them you're really sincerely sorry that you weren't able to love them. See where you were so messed up you couldn't love them. If you can't love your child, you are so messed up. You need to ask God for help. He's really serious about don't harm a little child. He's really serious. He's not thinking that's okay. It shouldn't have to be everybody else coming around your child to try to help them not to fall apart. Amen? You should hate that the enemy could get in your heart in such a way that you would harm your own child. 
How many know everybody has done it a little bit probably? Maybe not everybody, but most people. But then there's repentance. That's real. Then there's a change of heart. Then you don't have to go tell them everything. I'm so tired of codependent mess. Quit dragging your kids into your garbage. It's garbage. If everybody in the house is focused on one person's problems and issues and the whole house revolves around that. The, the world, the house is supposed to revolve around Jesus Christ and him lifted up. Honest to goodness, it's horrible that little kids even know the perversions on their parents. And it's horrible in a Christian home that they're there and it's permitted. We need to seriously let God deal with our heart issues. Amen? He will. But we got to see it. We got to open our eyes and see where is this dysfunctional. And don't just hang out with people who, who pat you on the back in your dysfunction. Amen? And some people don't even know what a biblical-looking marriage should be. Not a Pharisee biblical marriage where you tried to make it happen, but a sincere God changing your heart and you loving that person and you and you seeing them the way God sees them and, and letting watching God work in their heart and, and God just doing his God thing. Amen. Same with your kids. He he gives us relationships on purpose because they're the greatest thing that there is. Everything's about relationship. So, of course, the devil's going to attack that the most. Amen? He's going to attack anything he can about relationship. That's how he hurts God the most. And look at our world. The world reflects the church. Well, let me see. Our nation reflects the church. Because they're supposed to know us by our love for one another. People should look at you and say, you, that person, not fake, for real. You can just tell how much they love their kids. You can just tell how much they, lo they love each other. You can just tell. I'm not talking about, um, sometimes the people who look all mushy-ushy are the ones who get divorced the fastest. I'm talking about an honoring. Amen? I'm talking about children, you're to honor your mother and your father. It doesn't matter if you want to. God says to. He'll give you grace to. Honor looks like something. Honor does not look like eye rolling. Honor does not look like I'm not talking to them. Honor looks like something. Amen? Wives, you are to honor your husbands. Honor looks like something. He doesn't say love them so you send them little cards and buy them lots of presents and act all ushy-gushy. He, he doesn't say that. He does tell the women to teach younger women to love their husbands. That's another whole topic. But he says, he says and he says, husbands, you've got to love your wives. So he knows the parts that are difficult. She's going to have a hard time honoring him when she's talking with her friends. He's going to have a hard time loving her because he's going to have a clue what she's even thinking and what she's doing. And to say that men and women are alike is ridiculous and it's a lie from the pit of hell. Amen? This is just ridiculous. So we really have to say, God, show me. God, teach me. God, help me. This isn't to condemn anybody. Most of you got free from condemnation, thank God. 
you can really start changing when you get free from condemnation. You can actually stop and look at the situation and look at what's happened, have your blind eyes open and say, oh my gosh, look at the mess I have now because I've been blind for so long, but now I see, Lord help. What do I do? How do I do it? Show me what to do. Teach me, show me, help me. Amen? Look at your relationships. Look at the fruit uh, in your children's lives. Amen? Especially if you were raised them Christian. Just really stop and see these things. Look at them. Amen? I'm not saying other, you're not responsible for grown people. They can find God on their own. Amen? They can walk. But wouldn't it be nice to help them and, and us help each other? Amen? I think one of the revelations, I think, tonight that God gave to help break through is love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, long-suffering, patience, is that in that relationship. So here's the Lord. So they set him up. So tell us, then, what do you think? Is it proper for us Jews to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Now listen to this. This is discernment. Jesus knew the malice that was hidden behind their cunning ploy. When you really walk with the Lord and you're not blind in this area, you know what's going on. You're like, oh my gosh, what is going on, Lord? And then he's showing you what's going on. You're like, what do I do? I promise you, Jesus was talking to the Father to say, what do I do? Because he only does what he sees his Father doing. What do I do? They're trying to set me up. For me, Recently, I went through something like this. You know what the Lord did with me? Shut up. Don't say, well, he doesn't say shut up. Don't say a thing. 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 Can I tell you, when people are quiet, it doesn't mean they agree with you a lot of times. It could mean Holy Spirit's telling you to not say a thing. If there's somebody who has no problem saying a thing. Now, if it's somebody who never says a thing anyway, God may say, say something. Say something. Okay, how many know with me? It's like, don't say it. Don't, don't, don't feed it. Don't, don't go there. Don't touch it. But he'll give you grace for that too. He'll give you grace to go along with everything that's going along. Because guess what? When you know him, you're not being led by that control. You're being led by the Holy Spirit. And the other person may not even know it. I remember one time John said, I forgot. He said something like, um, he said something like, what did he say? It was something, well, we just agree on about everything, you know? And I'm like, no, we don't. He said, well, didn't you want this? I said, no. I said, but that's how good I am at submitting. You don't, I don't give you an attitude when I submit, if the Lord has me submit, amen? There's no attitude. I mean, there is sometimes, and God convicts me, and I have to repent and get right. I mean, I'm not talking like I'm walking in this perfect place, Amen. But I'm just saying, there's things that I know this doesn't matter. This is not something that matters. This is something that he can have this choice. This is just not a big issue. And because I'm not saying, well, no, I'd rather have, I'd rather have it blue, or I'd rather have it this, or I'd rather... Uh, why argue over all that stuff? Amen? But if it's something that means a lot to you, like I want a beach house that's blue and not yellow, green, and orange... I stood up for that one. And God gave me wisdom how to do it. Amen. He gave me real wisdom how to do it. How not to crush my husband who was trying to be joining in. I'm like, we've been married 40 some years and you're going to join in now when I finally get a beach house and decide to decorate. But God gave me wisdom 
how to, how to share that. So he's like, okay, I did, there is one. The master bedroom there is not blue. That's the coral room. I tell the housekeeper, don't ever put blue in this room. I'll go, she'll switch the bedspreads around. I'm like, no, 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 no. This room can never have blue in it. This is the coral room. <laughs> Why? Because I'm honoring my husband. He can have one room <laughs> that's not blue. Amen. He's got an entire garage that's not blue. He's got master bedroom at home's not blue. There's quite a few not blue. Amen. But he, he knew, okay, this is important to her. Thank God you don't have to fight over everything. Amen? But it's okay to stand up for something that means something. I say this, if it means more to you than it does to them, then you should be able to share that and, and, and be very thankful when they're like, oh, okay, I, I see. Instead of, oh, can we get out of winning and losing? Can we get out of it's all a fight? We've got to get away from that. You, both people in real relationships led by God, both people always win. When it's led by God, both people always win. Amen? If both people aren't winning, no one's winning. Well, that's a good one. If both people aren't winning, no one's winning. And I'm not talking about winning through manipulations and the other stuff. What I'm saying is, it's not like, ha ha, I won, you lost. It's like, okay, I'm maybe I got free in this, and I'm just still praying for you. Amen? Maybe God's, you know, showed me some things about me and I'm praying. And if you don't, that's fine. Let me, can I just, I just say this with all, into, all my heart. Unless you come in here and you're really divisive or you do something really unbiblical or it's really horrible and, or you become completely unteachable to, to me or staff here, then the doors are open. You can choose, everybody chooses if they want to go through the fire. You're going to go through a fire, but are you going to go through the fire that God's leading you through? Or are you just going to let the enemy come and get you? That's between you and God. Amen? That's not mine to pick. I'm not going to cross into control. I'm not going to cross over into control. You can't make me control you because I have none of that in my heart. Amen? I just don't have that in my heart. I'm not going to be manipulated into controlling you. I'm not going to be manipulated into being somebody you want to pin, pin on me. Amen? I have... So many relationships, and honest to goodness, control has never been once. I mean, when I was younger, I was bossy. You know, when I was younger, before God, I was very much, can you imagine my personality before God? Yeah, I was pretty strong. Amen? But now there is God. For over 37 years, there's been God. Amen? All right. So here's the wisdom. Jesus knew the malice that was hidden behind their cunning ploy and said, Why are you testing me, you imposters who think you have all the answers? Okay, can we say something here? Jesus was kind of bold there, wasn't he? These are the church leaders. And Jesus said, Why are you testing? I love that he knew who he was. I'm not, I'm not going to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to buy that I'm prideful because I know who I am in Christ. Amen? I'm, I'm thankful I know the authority I walk in. Amen? I'm thankful I know my relationship with God. I'm thankful for who he is. I'm thankful for his fire in my life. Amen? I'm thankful for that. I'm not going to pretend I'm somebody I'm not because that makes you feel 
better or something. I don't know. Amen? Be who you are in Christ. Don't be, if, you're, if who you are is being obnoxious, then let God deal with that. He will. Amen? Who are you in Christ? So he says, why are you testing me, you imposters who think you have all the answers? He says, show me one of the Roman coins. So they brought him a silver coin used to pay the tax. Now tell me whose head is on this coin and whose inscription is stamped on it. Caesar's, they replied. Jesus said, precisely, for the coin bears the image of the emperor Caesar. Well then, pay the emperor what is due to the emperor. But because you bear the image of God, give back to God all that belongs to him. God has a wisdom. You watch Jesus walk in it all the time around the Pharisee spirits. You watch him walk in it all the time when accusations. He's never provoked to speak. That's the a, that's a fruit of self-control. That's the fruit of self-control. I, I want the fruit of self-control in my life to get stronger. Amen? Okay. Here, here's the part that people don't get. One person suppressed is not self-control, it's passive-aggressive, and they've learned to shut up because of the devil. Amen? Those people need God to make them bold. He needs to bring them out of that place where they've lost their voice, they lost who they are, they lost to be able to say what they need to say, and he needs to set them free, and they need to ask him for that. Amen? Then there's the ones who are very bold and... And this is a part where the Lord dealt with me during some of this. Is like, it's not okay to handle things with bullying. Like when you, before, you, before I walked with God. That wasn't okay. It wasn't okay to have the smart mouth. It was your protector, but it hurt people and you didn't care that it hurt them. It wasn't what really protected you. It actually set you up to almost get in a fight and have to go through some stuff as a kid. Amen? Do you understand what I'm saying? Satan never helps us. So whether you choose to be the one who's going to get in your face and tell you off, or you choose to just be the quiet one that everybody thinks is happy and nice while you're all having passive-aggressive suicidal thoughts, neither one of them are good, and one's not better than the other. It's how far the enemy goes with it to cause that person to hurt other people. Amen? Amen? So that's the part where I had to repent. Lord, forgive me for never having compassion for those who are bullied and always just thinking, why don't they just get over it? Why don't they just rise up? Why don't they say something? Because that's what I chose to do before, before I was walking in the Lord. Amen? That didn't make it better than the person who just shoved it down and shoved it down and shoved it down and shoved it down and had outbursts of anger or, you know, suicidal thoughts or had to be on all kinds of meds for anxiety and all that. Amen? One's not better than the other. They both come from the same counterfeit creator. Amen? Satan wants to create us in his image. Don't be part of helping him do that with other people. Amen? All right. The imposters were baffled in the presence of all the people, and one, they were unable to trap Jesus with his words. So they left stunned by Jesus' words. You need to get the thing out of you that tries to trap people with their words. Well, I remember when you said this. Well, remember how you, I don't even remember what I say. I go by what's in my heart. Well, I know you said this. Well, that's not in my heart. That's never even been in my heart. That's never even been a thought in my heart. It's never been a thought in my heart. 
um, homosexual, to be homosexual at all. It's never even been a thought. It's just nothing that's ever even gotten close to me. So if somebody misinterprets something I say, they're misinterpreting it because it's never been in my heart. It's never been in my heart to be against Christ. It's never been in my heart to be antichrist. It's just never been in my heart. I was saved since I was like seven, and I really meant it from then, and I believe in him, talked to him ever since. It's never been in my heart. Do you understand what I'm saying? If it's not in my heart, it's not in my heart. So you can twist my words and try to say, oh, she's talking racist or whatever. Well, I promise you racism is not in my heart. Did it used to be in my heart? Yeah, because I was raised in a culture in a time when almost everybody had some racism unless somehow you were protected from it. Amen? But when I found Christ, and I never really bought into it though. I got to say, I never really understood. It never made sense to me. But seeds have been planted in me. But so when somebody said, well, what did you say? You can't twist what I say. Okay, you can't twist what I say because I know what's not in my heart. I can ask the Lord. If it's really in my heart, I'll show myself. Lord, you'll know. you know when something comes out of your mouth. I was like, ooh, that's in my heart. Amen? But you don't want somebody twist what you say and act like that's in your heart. It's like, that's not in my heart. Now, you got to ask God, if I'm blind to this and it is in my heart, then help me to know. Can I tell you this? Things will keep showing up to help you to know. But I always say, if you can get free as soon as possible, it is to your benefit. God's trying to protect you from what the enemy is setting up against you. All of us. And that's what I've learned. Embrace it. God, show me me. Show me me. And if you can't see it and you ask somebody to help you, then listen to them. Don't be a Pharisee and just, okay, well, they're not saying what I want. They're not biting what I want. They're not doing it the way I want. And recognize if you have that. Amen? Recognize if you have that, if you have that need, that need for whatever, and, and start right there. What is what do I need in this relationship? Well, truthfully, we really don't shouldn't have a need in a relationship. We should be complete in Christ. I know it takes some sanctification and walking with God to get to that. Amen. But don't marry somebody because you need their money. Don't marry somebody because you're afraid to be lonely. Any don't have children because you want you don't want to be lonely. Amen. Love should be unconditional. Do you get that? Love should be unconditional. Amen. And we know in our culture, we know in the whole world it's not, right? But, but we're in Christ now. We're new creations in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. He will meet all my needs according to his riches and glory. Amen. He will meet. Then I can enjoy relationships. I can enjoy my children. I don't need them to be a certain way. I don't need them to be smarter than somebody else's. I don't need them to accomplish a different thing. I want them to have what God has for their life, plain and simple. Plain and simple. I want them to have what God has for their life. I don't want them to have what God has for your children's life. I want them. Your child's success is not about you. It should be about God. You're only successful if you find God, number one. And you're only, you're only going to hear well done, good and faithful servant if you do his will. Well, if his will is something that our culture doesn't say is worth anything and they don't make much money, that's between them and God. Amen? Maybe, they have their, their, maybe they'd rather have their treasures in heaven. Amen? We all have got to stop it. We've just got to stop it. You want to nurture your kids. You want to give them books to read. You want them to be, you don't want them hiding their gifts. Amen. But it can't be about you. 
It cannot be about you. Because when it becomes about you, defiance is going to come along, possibly, and make you look really bad in all your expectations, and you're just going to be one frustrated, mean, hateful parent. Amen? Same thing with a marriage. Let go of the... Very few people's divorce is straight out because of adultery, and that's the only biblical grounds for divorce. It's going to be interesting to watch all these people who think their divorce stand before God. And then they make the other person, they vilify, vilify them and make them look like they were doing this and that. Just stop it. Just be real about you. Be real about your issues. Really repent. Here's the cool thing. You can repent from any sin when you mean it. And the blood covers it. See, I'm, that's why Tuesdays is come to the altar. We're going to hit some hard topics because the church has done anything, but they're playing patty cake. We need to cleanse people. We need a bride. Wouldn't it be sad if half the ones who are left is because they never recognized that it wasn't biblical, the divorce they had, and they never went to God and dealt with it and talked about it and got it under the blood. Instead, they kept blaming somebody else and vilifying somebody else. Wouldn't it be better just to get this stuff under the blood? Aren't you glad for the blood? Aren't you glad for the blood of Jesus Christ? I'm serious. I'm glad for the blood of Jesus Christ. And it's time we quit throwing in the towel every time something goes bad and we're not even hanging out with God and doing what he wants. But we have to let go when God gives a biblical reason to leave a, a marriage. It's got a purpose and a reason. We've got teaching on that. Okay, so that's one place to go to the altar tonight. If you've been divorced and you did not have a biblical reason, now, I any father hurting or perverting anything against their children the bible calls them worse than a heathen or not taking care of their family amen so so there are things where you need to leave definitely if your children are involved i would call that though any kind of perversion with your own children is worse than adultery and it is a form of adultery amen i don't want to get in details but it's sad the stuff that goes on and we need to just face this stuff. Quit making excuses for it. Let somebody know how disgusting what they did was. So they can go to the cross for real. Amen? God's not cool about hurting children. Jesus himself tells you how uncool he is about it. So quit making up excuses for people with perversion hurting children. Even in your own families. Let the person face God about it. Amen. Oh, me. Oh, my. The imposters were baffled in the presence of, the, of all the people and were unable to trap Jesus with his words. So they left stunned by Jesus' words. Some of the Sadducees, a religious group that denied there was a resurrection of the dead, came to ask Jesus this question. Teacher, the law of Moses teaches that if a man dies before he has children, his brother should marry the widow and raise up the children of his brother's family line. Now there was a family with seven brothers. The oldest got married but soon died, leaving his widow for his brother. The second brother married died, the third also. This was repeated down the seventh brother. Now I would say with that kind of track record, I don't think I'd marry that woman, but anyhow. Um, <laughs> when finally the woman died, so here's our dilemma. Which of the seven brothers will the woman's husband, will 
will be the woman's husband when she's resurrected from the dead since they all were once married to her. Jesus answered them, you are deluded because your hearts are not filled with the revelation of the scriptures or the power of God. What he's saying here is, let me say, when people make up stuff, there's already something wrong. When people say something like, well, so you think if a woman gets raped and in a horrific way or there's incest, she should still have to carry that baby. When we know statistically that that's a very, 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 very small percentage of abortions. But we're going to use that extreme case. That's what they're doing to Jesus. We're going to use an extreme case to try to make you look bad and heartless. First of all, murdering your baby is not going to make you feel better. Because that baby had nothing to do with it. At the same time, we need to have compassion on how difficult that would be. And how, how can we help and, and, and you know what needs to be done. And we need to look at every situation for every situation as how we can minister. Amen? But that's what Jesus is talking about here. You're making up an extreme case. You're deluded. Most of the pro-abortion arguments are from delusion. Let me look up the word deluded. Let me look in the King James. He says, you err, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. Which basically means you roam away from the truth, you go astray, you deceive others, you seduce, you wander out of the way. Now, Way back, way, way back. Y'all aren't going to believe this. Way, way back, I taught um, a youth group at a Methodist church. I was a paid youth pastor. And I didn't believe there was hell. I just thought God was too good to be hell. I didn't understand the whole idea of it. And I was in there teaching these kids. They thought I was great. They thought I was so cool. And I repented after years later when I found out I was really wrong. Was I an evil, horrible person? No. But I was an error. I didn't know the scriptures. I didn't know the power of the scriptures. I didn't understand it. I was deluded. Amen? Amen? There's no condemnation. I pray for all those kids. They fired me and told all the kids there was hell, which I thought was pretty impressive for Methodist Church, actually. Now, <laughs> amen? had to probably shock them I didn't know that's why not many should be teachers but I know now amen but there's diluted that's what it means you change things you water it down you make up an example to not deal with the real issues how many know we live in very diluted poli pol political culture right now and the church is very much the same way amen all right Jesus goes on, for after the resurrection, men and, men and women will not marry, but just like the angels of heaven don't marry. Haven't you read what God said? I am the living God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. When the crowds heard this, they were dazed, stunned over such wisdom. 
When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they called a meeting to discuss how to trap Jesus. Look at these people. And let me tell you, the, when the Lord gave me this, it was also when I was asking where are we at in time. He goes, this is where we are in time. As the church speaks truth, those who want to destroy this nation, those in the church who want to destroy the church, they're going to just want to entrap you. They're going to get more and more angry about um, arresting you. They're going to get more and more angry about stopping you, silencing you, instead of waking up to the truth, waking up to what, you know, for in po politics, what our Constitution says. Amen? They're going to just get more and more riled up against that, even as in the church. They're more and more riled up against speaking in tongues. They're more and more riled up against being baptized in the Holy Spirit, They're more, or, which is speaking in tongues is part of it. They're more and more riled up about moving in the supernatural. They're more and more riled up about us thinking we're going to, there's actually going to be a bride of Christ. There's actually going to be, do you see what I'm saying? It's that same spirit. Get that out of your heart. Get out of your heart an intellectual spirit that tries to know everything, but it's diluted. It doesn't understand the scriptures or the power of God. Amen? Get before God. Say, I don't understand the scriptures here. I just have this diluted idea about it. I don't understand your power. Lord, release your power. Set me free. Release your power. Heal my heart. Release your power and deliver me. Amen? He's so big, you guys. There's, nothing, there's nobody in this room that he can't easily set free and hasn't already done it. Amen? You just have to believe. All right. One of them, a religious scholar, posed this question to test him. Look how much they keep on, on and on and on. Let's catch him in his words. Let's catch him in the words. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? Jesus answered him, love the Lord your God with every passion of your heart, all the energy of your being, and with every thought that is within you, with all your heart, your soul, your mind. This is the great and supreme commandment. And the second is like it in importance. You must love your neighbor in the same way that you love yourself or love your friend the way you love yourself. Now, one thing with that is we've got to learn to love ourselves. Amen. One of the problems in the church is people love their neighbor or love the people the way they love themselves. If you hate yourself, you can't love anyone. You've got to go and get healed so you can love yourself. Amen. Contained within these commandments to love you will find the meaning of the law and the prophets. While all the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus took the opportunity to pose a question of his own. Okay, so he says something to stop this train of questioning and trying to catch him in his words. Holy Spirit will give you wisdom to do this. We need to pray this for those people who are fighting for our nation right now, those people who have a real voice in all this and influence, amen. We need to pray that in our own lives. Lord, give me, give me wisdom. Give me the question that will stop this line of attack, amen, which, which is what he did for me recently. He gave me a question back that just shook the whole thing up. It just like, okay. And so God will give us that kind of wisdom. Partly he wants to try to wake up other people to listen, to see, wake, come out of this, come out of this pattern of, of trying to trap somebody in their words, come out of this argumentative thing and begin to see God. Amen. And then we have to sit there and say, Lord, give me wisdom. Lord, give me wisdom. I love watching Jesus do this because this is where he wants to get us to where we just ask the Lord. While all the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus took the opportunity to pose a question of his own. What do you think about the anointed one? Whose son is he? Is he the son of David? They said the son of David. 
Jesus said then, how is it that David, inspired by the Holy Spirit, could call his son the Lord? For didn't he say, the Lord Jehovah said to my Lord, sit near me in the place of authority until I subdue all your enemies under your feet. So how could David call his own son the Lord Jehovah? No one could come up with an answer. And from that day on, none of the Pharisees had the courage to question Jesus any longer. Jesus got them completely away from all the ridiculousness into some really deep revelation about who he was. And, and because it was the Holy Spirit's wisdom to, to pose that question, it stopped it. It stopped the Pharisee spirit. It didn't stop him from wanting to kill him, right? But it stopped him from trying to publicly embarrass him or shame him or trap him in his words. Amen? Father, I thank you for this word. Lord, right now, by your Holy Spirit, we covered so many things tonight. Lord, you are the one who convicts of sins. You are the one to open the eyes of the blind. Lord, show anyone watching this, anyone hearing this, anyone in this place, even me, Lord, show us any way that we've used words to try to trap somebody, where we listen to words to try to go, ha. Not, Lord God, like when your spirit leads us to see so we can see where an issue is, but where there's an intentional trying to get someone to say what we want, to think like we think, to, to be in agreement with us who isn't. Lord, please set us free from anything that's more concerned about being right, even with the wrong spirit, than about being led by your spirit. Humble us, Lord. Set us free, Lord. Let us see that there's an increase in love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, long-suffering, patience in the relationships we have. Lord, soften every heart in here. Get the spirit of manipulation, of catching people in their words, of controlling people by catching them in their words. Lord, get that out of our hearts in the name of Jesus. How? Get that out of every heart. Give us ears to really listen to what they're saying and not try to jump on it, not try to twist it, not try to say, I knew it, not get upset by it. God, set us free from the hurt places. Right now I ask that every hurt place be healed in the name of Jesus where we were misunderstood. Every hurt place be healed in the name of Jesus where we made judgments when we were misunderstood. Father God, we ask right now by your Holy Spirit that you would set people free who are hearing this. Lord, that you would set us free. Lord God, right now that everyone would just see themselves. Lord, even as a child and being misunderstood or being told to be quiet or being ignored or being uh, misjudged and misunderstood, Lord, right now that they would see you, Jesus, that they would see you there beside them. They would see you whispering in their ear, I know what's in your heart. I know what you really mean. Forgive them. They don't know how much they're hurting you right now. Forgive them that they can't have ears to hear what you're trying to say because they don't know my spirit. And I want you to see yourself looking at Jesus and saying, I do. I forgive them. I do forgive them. They don't know what they were doing. The enemy knew what he was doing, but they didn't know what they were doing. Father, right now we just release forgiveness. And Father, forgive us. We didn't know what we were doing. 
We didn't know what we were doing, not disciplining our children. We didn't know what we were doing, twisting words or catching them in their words. Father, we didn't even know what we were doing when we were trying to do everything right so they would turn out great, but by the wrong spirit or for our own selves to get a need met. God, we just ask you to cleanse us tonight. Cleanse us tonight, cleanse us tonight. Set us free from these entanglements. Set us free from this Pharisee spirit. Set us free from manipulation. Set us free from twisting words. Set us free, God, from anything in our hearts that would pose questions trying to catch somebody. Lord, forgive us for asking a question and not really wanting to hear the answer. God, forgive us as Christians, Lord, when we talk to people and we're, we're more concerned with what we're going to say next than to really listen to them and have your spirit show us what's going on in their hearts so we can win them to you, God, for your glory. Father, forgive us for having a Pharisee spirit, God, that would, self, that would judge things and judge things correctly and try to control things and try to criticize things and, and just bring people's countenance all the way down, Lord. God, heal any one who's become defiant because of anything in our lives. Forgive anyone, Lord, who's become passive-aggressive or false-submissive, Lord who are looking in the wrong place for guidance because of it. God, we just ask you to heal and deliver. We thank you that you can fix everything we've messed up. Praise God. You can heal every relationship. You are a God who wants us to be ministers of reconciliation. Ho! Oh, so Lord, we need to know this. We need to be free from this so we can walk into that ministry of reconciliation, reconciling people with you, reconciling relationships, reconciling friendships. God, we thank you that you're going to heal your church. We thank you for saving our nation. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you love this teaching, and you better say you love this teaching, then we want you to check out our web at beautyforashes.org. There is so much teaching there, and there's a resource uh, library there. And also, check out my Facebook page at Cindy Foster Beauty for Ashes Ministry. We love you to partner with us and come along for the ride into the apostolic. God bless you.